Well, hello again, Extra Point Podcasters. My name's Todd. Welcome back. It's January the uh, 11th here, 2022. Really glad you've joined us for this first episode of the Extra Point Podcast for this year. In case you're wondering, maybe uh, you're new and you're wondering, like, what is the Extra Point Podcast? It's a resource of First Family Church in which uh, we look back at the text or topic that we uh, preached about the previous week and bring some additional observations, some further insight into it. Uh, And I'm usually the host of our Extra Point Podcast as I'm the primary teacher and preacher at First Family. And so uh, really glad you joined us today, and I'm excited about bringing some some, uh, more insight and some more application into what we discussed last week. We took some time last week to wrap up a very short two-week series on spiritual warfare, and actually it was two weeks that we added to uh, two weeks that we took in 2021, late 2021, as we wrapped up Ephesians. So actually, we were to combine the two weeks in late 21, these two weeks at the beginning of 22, we, we have spent about four weeks talking about spiritual warfare. And what I did Sunday was look mainly at the three arenas in which spiritual warfare occurs. And that's the world and the devil, and the flesh, or as we more commonly say, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those three are mentioned in Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3, and I think personally they are referenced in, 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 in a subtle way in James three fifteen. I spent most of our time on the world and the flesh because the week before, Stan, our next-gen director, spent some time talking mainly about our enemy, the devil. And what I contended for and showed was that regardless of the arena, whether it's the world, the flesh, or the devil, uh, their aim is always to make much of you, uh, of self, and to put it at odds with God so that there is this war, this enmity, this battle. And of course, the goal then of the enemy, enemy is to use that battle to steal, kill, and destroy. And I showed that really spiritual warfare comes down to a battle between myself and God's spirit. The key to winning that battle is the word surrender. It's not holding on to what you have to have or what you think you deserve. It's surrendering to God's word through prayer and in the power of God's spirit so that There is a trust and a dependency upon everything that God has said and what He's promised, and we fall upon His um, plan and His mercy and His grace. That's the surrender we're talking about. And of course, our prime example is Christ Jesus Himself, both in His temptation in Matthew 4 as well as in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so we spend some time talking about that and brought our congregation to this point where we must be willing in order to win the victory of spiritual warfare and in spiritual warfare, we must be willing to surrender to the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ, because we don't fight for victory, we fight from his victory. So with that quick review under our belt, allow me just to kind of peel back my chest cavity for a moment and bring some personal Uh, past to the front and share with you something that uh, I experienced growing up that really helped me maintain 
the proper mindset in regards to um, um, thinking correctly about spiritual warfare. You know, as we think about the battle that ensues, it's always between myself and God's Spirit. Um, I have an interesting uh, memory, a recollection of something that was kind of common in our home growing up, and it really has proven to be helpful in battling the world, the flesh, and the devil. So growing up, <clears throat> my dad had an interesting way of um, relaying to us um, how we were to think about living in our home, and, and he always did it in a humorous way. I never recall these words being spoken in moments of stern discipline or um, you know serious training, per se. But I do recall this phrase being something that uh, was said in our home, and it was always said in a comedic fashion. But I think it was to relay a mindset that actually was helpful. And my dad would say this a lot. He would say, and he would either be speaking about um, our role as children in the home or possibly just even spiritually about our role towards the Lord. But my dad would often say this phrase. He would say, well, you don't have any rights. And then he would chuckle. He'd laugh or he would grin. And that phrase was something that would be used uh, perhaps when we were kind of fighting for our way or thinking that we should vote on something as a family, which never happened, of course, and I'd never recommend anyway. <laughs> uh, or even if we were in spiritual discussions about oh, why doesn't God do this or I wonder why I can't do this, this line would come up, usually humorously, well, you don't have any rights. Well, well, you, you can't just assume that um, you're going to get to do that because you don't have any rights to do that to begin with. And he would just say on a regular basis, you don't have any rights. Now, as an adult looking back, I know there was some hyperbole there, okay? And there was probably some um, um, uh, ways that was used as a parent and even as a, as a mentor later uh, spiritually to help us think properly. Because, yes, there is... There are certain rights that people have. I, I get that, and I think you get that. I think we understand what my dad was trying to say. It taught me something, though. It taught me that when we look at um, what we have to have or what we think we deserve or what we're trying to leverage for or when we're fighting for our way, if we think we have to have certain things, that we have a right to certain things, if we argue or debate or leverage or complain from that vantage point, it always goes south because pride is at the root of that. It starts with the word I. We're, we're coming at it from one angle, and that is with ourselves in, you know, in uh, the main driver's seat. We have to have something. We have to make a point, grab something, get our way. And, and I think in those moments, my dad's statement that we don't have any rights was his way of saying to us, take yourself out of the picture. Don't think you have to have your way or that you're owed something or that you're entitled to something or that you have, um, you know, some kind of guarantee for something. Just take yourself out of the way and realize that truly you don't have any rights. You have surrendered those uh, when you're a child, you surrender those to your parents and you trust them to take care of you. When you're a child of God, you surrender those to the Lord. And again, I understand there are some quote-unquote rights as children, 
as individuals, as people. But I think his point is well made, that in a battle of wills, when we're in this warfare between our spirit, the flesh, and then, of course, um, you know, God's spirit, when our self is battling God's spirit, if we're always coming at it from the angle of, well, I've got to have my rights, I've got to have my way, or we're thinking that we deserve something or are entitled to something, that is never um, a, a good way to fight the enemy, because really that's the enemy's mindset. That's the enemy's tactic. Put yourself front and center, put yourself in the driver's seat, and then argue, debate, clamor, fight for your way. And if that's the mentality, if that's the perspective and the attitude, we're not going to fare well in spiritual warfare, because the key to victory in spiritual warfare is not clanging for our rights, but it's in surrendering them and then getting under God's authority and letting him fight the battle for us. If you look around you at our culture, isn't this one of the core reasons that there is such incredible conflict and division in our society today? I mean, think about all the groups and people and individuals and segments of society that are clamoring for their rights, and it is continuing to increase. And the more we focus on the rights of everyone um, and what they feel they need to have, and and suddenly, uh, you know, we, we find ourselves being degraded and being divided into less and less of a of a one nation, of one people. We're becoming uh, so segmented and splintered based on this idea of rights. And again, it's not denying that there aren't certain inalienable rights. But when sudden, when our understanding of rights means that whatever I feel and whatever I want is a right, and I'll just fight for it until you give it to me, then we've moved beyond God-given inalienable rights, and we've moved now to where feelings are ruling the day, wants and wishes rule the day, and there's no sense of absolute authority. There's no sense of right and wrong. It's just whatever anyone wants and feels, and they claim a right to it. I mean, that is a recipe for disaster, and we're seeing that play out First of all, in our country, and have been for decades, and if we're not careful, we'll see that play out in the church, and you'll see that play out in your life, and I will as well, if we take the posture that we have a right, first and foremost, if that's our posture, we're bound to lose the, the, the uh, battle that's raging with the enemy, because the battle isn't won by fighting for our rights, the battle is won by surrendering our rights. To whom? To God, to His Son, Jesus, uh, and in the power of the Spirit, being able to trust and depend upon our Father to fight for us. That's why the key to winning in spiritual warfare is surrender. And I'd remind you, the Apostle Paul, on multiple occasions, seemed to indicate this was his um, disposition, this was his stance, um, you know, he talked multiple times about how he counted everything in his life as just rubbish, as, you know, manure, as dung, that he may win Christ, that he was willing to 
um, make sure that Christ was exalted in his body, whether it be by life or by death. He didn't um, lay claim or own anything from his past that made him uh, of a certain stature or posture or gave him credibility. Paul had a very loose grip on anything that seemed to give him a certain right or privilege or posture or credibility, and he gave all of it up for the sake of knowing Christ. And you know, his posture was one of, of being surrendered to whatever God would send his way. In fact, he said in one of the epistles that in his mind he died every day. In other words, he was willing to let go of anything that uh, he felt he deserved in order to make sure his life was on the altar, so to speak, of whatever God would want and whatever God would send. Paul was a, a, a living example of how to live as one with no rights. And yet, on at least two occasions, Paul exercised his, and I'll use this word again, he exercised his right as a citizen when he was on trial, of course, for his preaching. And he also exercised his right, we'll call it, when he was being questioned as an apostle. And yet even in his right exercise of those um, um, privileges, he never used them in a way to fight for his own way or to try to manipulate or leverage a system or a person for his own gain. It was always for the furtherance of the gospel, the advancement of God's kingdom. It was to showcase and to maximize God's glory. That's why I think in Paul we have a really good example of someone who understood what it meant to have no rights, and yet to live in such a way that there were certain rights, but they were only be, only to be used to serve the Lord and others. And I think that was at the heartbeat of what my dad would say to me uh, often with a grin on his face, um, and my mom would, you know, verbally uh, often not check in or, or say anything, but she was uh, visually kind of in his corner, no doubt. There was just a sense in our home that, hey, we don't win battles and fight each other and, um, you know, stake our claim. We don't fight for our rights. We're one family, and we surrender those as children to, to our parents and as children of God to Him. And just this overall mentality that we don't have rights, we've surrendered those. Uh, it really taught me that in the battle against Satan and the flesh and the world, the best way to stand strong, to fight well, is not to fight for your rights, to think you're des you deserve something or that you're owed anything or entitled to something. It's instead to have a posture of surrender to the Lord's sovereignty and authority and allow His work on the cross and His uh, promises to provide for us and be everything we need, to let that be our strongest and greatest weapon. And so the key to winning the battle isn't to fight for your rights, it's to surrender them to the one who gives us everything we need, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. <music> 